We're in the parable, our third Sunday night in our series on the parables of Jesus. We're in the parable of the prodigal son, and now we're on the parable of the prodigal who stayed home. So if you will open your scriptures to Luke 15, we'll start at verse 25. And it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, how we love you and how we praise you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for these parables, Lord, because even 2,000 years later, they resonate with us like nothing else. Be with us tonight, Lord. Allow me to step back and you to step forward and, and proclaim exactly what you want us to hear. And then grant, Lord, that we would have the ears open to hear your truth and the courage to act on it. Thank you, Father, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This parable of the older brother. Of course, you well know this story, and you know the one that was the least happy to see the prodigal son return. It was the fattened calf. Just seeing if you're listening. But here we are in in this story of this elder brother, this older brother. And I must say, he is admirable in so many of his characteristics. So many of his characteristics we like. He was highly industrious. He was in the field doing what he always does, working. He was working when the younger brother returned. He was taking care of business. He's industrious. Why, he would be a model citizen today. He is one, he said, I've never done anything wrong. He's been very careful to dot the I's and cross the T's in his own religious pursuit. This elder brother seems to be a model until he has a confrontation with the father. So what's the problem here? Well, let's pick it up. Verse 25, when the older son was in the field, he came near the house. He heard music and dancing. Then we come down to verse 29 says, uh, the first 28 says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, all these years I've been slaving for you. King James says, serving you. But... The word really in the Greek is slaving. 
All these years, this has been a labor. I have labored for you. Sometimes it's been through clenched teeth. Sometimes it's been just because it's my duty. It's what I have to do. But I've been laboring for you all these years. Father didn't know that this was in his heart. This labor was a labor of labor, not of love. It was these many years I have been slaving for you. You know, I wish that I had more of the younger brother prodigals in the churches today than the older brother. Because the older brother's attitude can poison any spiritual gathering. He is one who is highly religious, but his pursuit was religion. We see back in the first part of chapter 15, the Bible says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Well, Jesus began to tell parables at that point. To the mothers and daughters, he told the parable of the lost coin and how the angels in heaven rejoice with her and how her friends rejoice over this one lost coin that was found. Then the men and the boys rejoiced over the parable of the lost sheep, how the shepherd left the fold of ninety and nine and went to find that one sheep. And the men and the boys were excited about hearing the story of how the angels in heaven rejoiced over that one sinner that repents, that one sheep that was lost and is found. And then the the, the Pharisees became somewhat smug and, and, and self-satisfied over the fact that we talked about the parable of the prodigal son because they believed that they were well above that. And they felt pretty enhanced in their own religious pursuits until Jesus went one step further and started talking about this older brother. And then the Pharisees and the scribes could understand that because they knew that he was talking about them. This older brother who was so industrious. Ephesians 6 6 says, Do the will of God from your heart. Do the will of God from your heart. Colossians 3 17 and 23 say the same thing. Whatsoever you do, do as unto the Lord. Well, this wasn't this was a labor. This was not a labor of love. This was a, a labor of labor. And so many times in the churches I come across people who literally, because of their attitudes, because of their legalism, because of the fact that this is no labor of love for them to serve the Lord in the church in certain ways. It is something that has been thrust upon them. It is a duty that is necessary to perform in order for them to feel somewhat uh, self-satisfied in their own pursuit. The problem with it is, is when we pursue things like that legally, legalistically, Religiously, it becomes our standard of measure. One writer said, Legalism lacks the supreme sense of worship. It obeys, but it does not adore. It obeys, but it does not adore. I find myself identifying with both the prodigal son and the prodigal brother who stayed home. I find myself identifying with them at some aspect or some point in time in my own life and I trust that you will too. Because this, this older brother, though he never left the farm, left the father. 
The second thing you see was he was self-righteous. Verse 29 continues by saying, he says, all these years I've been slaving for you. I have never disobeyed your orders. I have never done anything. He could see the sins of others. He could see the sins clearly of his brother, but he could never see his own because he felt like he had risen above it. From time to time, I come across people that, that tell me that they no longer sin. They have risen above that. They've come to that point in their own self-righteousness where they feel exonerated for some uh, strange standard of, of excellence that they have. But here he is, this self-righteous brother. And he's always dreamed out in the fields. He's thought about having a party. And as he's thinking about the younger brother out there doing only what he surmises, he's becoming more embittered because he's having to do all of these things to satisfy some kind of work ethic that he believes the Father has imposed upon him. Well, the reality is this self-righteousness will absolutely tear your spiritual heart out of your chest. It is, it is that self-righteousness that, that begins to establish a standard that you, that you work toward, that you feel like you have achieved, and then it becomes the measurement that you measure others with. So he gets self-righteous. Well, we continue on and he says, I've never disobeyed your order. You never gave, even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Evidently, he has friends, or thinks he does. And he says to the Father, you never threw a party for me or even allowed me to do the same. I could have had a bonfire out on this farm. We could have had a great time. But you never allowed me to do that. The Father's thinking, you never asked. You never asked. Now, go one step further. For he says... But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home. Is there anything in there about him squandering property with prostitutes? Nothing before. You got to think that this older brother was in the fields thinking about what he would be doing out there if he ran away from home. And so that's probably one of his options in his own heart and mind. But here's this this son, and he's out in the fields working, thinking about these people out there, these people that don't go to church, these people that aren't in Bible study, these people that aren't doing daily devotions, they're out there. I guarantee you, I know what they're doing, you're thinking. And you're thinking, well, if, if it were me, this is what I would be doing, and you project that onto other people. This is what the older brother did. Working in the fields, laboring away, thinking all of these things where the younger brother did go and, and live it up. The King James says, right is living, but it's, it is that uh, celebration that he did every day of his life. Well, here we come. Verse 30 says, but when this son of yours, he says, who has squandered your property, this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours, never saw this younger brother as his brother. His father corrected him. Your, your brother, he would say later on. But this son of yours, he's no brother of mine. And we've seen that over the years, haven't we? Church members that stray, that go and, and become prodigals themselves, they tend to stray away from the Lord. They go through periods of time in their lives where they are 
are not doing the will of God, where they're not following the Lord, they're not even listening to His instruction. And somebody says, you know that, that sister in the Lord, or that brother in Christ that you have, and you're thinking immediately in your own heart, there's no brother of mine, that's not my sister. He squandered your property with prostitutes, he says. 1 John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So here's the older brother and his feelings. You know, in this parable, put yourself in this prodigal younger brother's footsteps. How many of you have had situations where you have had people that behave like the older brother? They're judgmental. They uh, really don't make room for you in the pew or in their hearts, even worse. They don't make room for you in your Bible studies. They expect you to make your own way. After all, they did. They had maybe had the same treatment that they're giving you. But don't you thank God that you met Jesus before you met this older brother? Don't you, in, in this way, the older brother becomes a very stumbling block to finding Jesus or to returning to Jesus that we find in the world today. The very stumbling block. Here he is, this older brother, this prodigal, refused the father's love. And you understand that when the curtain rises on these prodigals, it's really the spotlight is on the Father. And this this whole parable is about the grace and the love of the Father more than anything else. Because we see the Father coming out. I want you to see the environment. For when the younger brother returned, the father ran out and threw his arms around him He told the servants, let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And then the older brother says, here you've killed the fattened calf for him and you guys are throwing a party? Verse 31, the father says, my son. The father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. My child. Maybe the thing that rankled this brother was in spite of all the things the younger brother had done, the father still loved him equally with the younger brother. That's, sometimes that's hard for us to understand. That we would serve the Lord faithfully. We would deny ourselves certain pleasures. We would deny ourselves certain things. And we would do certain things that we think indicate, symbolize our faithfulness to the Lord. I mean, we even get pious looks from time to time when certain things are occurring. So sometimes it just galls certain people that God loves everyone equally. And it prevents us who have those attitudes from really celebrating over the homecoming of those lost people. 
man, I don't understand that. I'd rather have a church full of younger brothers than to have one older brother squirreling the scene. Because the older brother is one whose attitude is going to prevent. And he represents the Pharisees. Now, here's the thing. Jesus said in Matthew 23, as he scourged the Pharisees for their attitude, they, those, he said, you're whited sepulchers, you're like whitewashed tombs or, or graves that have been enhanced on the outside, made to look beautiful. When on the inside, there's just death and emptiness. That's who you are, Pharisees. He says, you search the whole world, you go around the entire world to find one convert Jesus said to the Pharisees, and you make him twice the son of hell as you are. And then he said at another time, the scribes, the publicans, even the prostitutes are going to be in heaven before you. These are to church leaders, folks. You know why they crucified him. But here he is to the older brother. And he comes out. Now here's the grace of God. Not only did he run toward the younger brother that was returning home, but the older brother that absolutely refused to celebrate and to be joyous with the rest of the group, the father goes out and pleads with him, the Bible says. He not only just goes out and to offer an invitation, but the Bible says in the Greek when he says pleads, it means just that. He is begging him to come inside. And he stands there at the door, probably on this porch, and he says, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. Every blessing that you've received, your good health, your food, your clothing, your shelter, everything, your relationships, the fact that you have been given an opportunity to work, the fact that you are physically able to work, the fact that you sit at my table day in and day out, has always been yours. So, why the bad attitude? Come on in and celebrate. And that's the last you hear. You don't hear the the prodigal older brother responding, and you don't hear whether or not he ever came in. Well, I've known these guys over the years, and they're not just males, they're females as well. You know, people who just cannot stand celebration of other people, especially if these other people in their own eyes don't measure up to the same standards that they live by. And so, not only are they going to be unhappy, but they want everybody else to share their unhappiness. God, on the other hand, is expressing joy and celebration And wants everybody else to experience that same joy and celebration with him. So it's that older prodigal who, though he never left the farm, left the father. You know, there's some of him in all of us. There's some of him in all of us. There are times when when I know that I you can just, just feel it. I know I've experienced these things when I've conducted revivals. When you feel it, I've always said to pastors, find me the worst man or woman in town, let's go visit them. Or find me that person and begin to pray for that particular individual 
who is just as far away from God as they possibly can be. Because when that person comes home to Jesus and they come to know the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior, true revival hits that community and it begins to spread like wildfire. This older brother doesn't attract anybody. I'm even surprised he thinks he has friends. They've got to be like-minded. And so here we are in this tug-of-war, spiritual tug-of-war between the older brother and the father and his grace. My son, the father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. The older brother saying, why? Don't you know what he's done? The father says, because this brother of yours, not this son of mine, but this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So can you celebrate? 1 Corinthians 13, we know it well. Verses 1 through 3 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Wow. Joys experienced by the shepherd, the woman, the friends, the angels in heaven over one sinner who repents and comes home, but not to the Pharisaic mind, the legalist, the person who is absolutely laboring for the Lord slaving for the Lord, not out of love, but out of just absolute duress. Well, General Oglethorpe felt that he was uh, put upon by John Wesley. General Oglethorpe told Wesley, I never forgive. Wesley replied, then sir, I hope you never sin. You see, If you don't feel close to the Father, guess who moved? It won't be God because he's out there with his arms open wide. And you see the curtains down on on this parable as you see the Father with his arms open wide and the older brother with his arms folded, disgusted over the fact that his younger brother has now come home. Well, Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe that's your experience. Maybe you're thinking, well, I have had experiences like that in my own life, but I'm not there now. I can identify more with the younger brother. Maybe you're more identifying with the older brother. You know, I never will forget we had a, I had a man who had been an alcoholic all of his life, still is, you know, because... He, but he is a reformed alcoholic. He's still an alcoholic, but he's, he hasn't had a drop to drink in quite a while. When he came to know the Lord, I heard comments about him. He wanted to become active. The Lord just turned him around 180 and just turned his life inside out. It wasn't AA that did it. It was G-O-D. And he did it in a phen- phenomenal way to where this particular man came to know the Lord in a deep, profound fashion. 
and he was humble. He would have been glad to come back as a servant. He would have been glad to come to the Lord as somebody who was not given the privileges of anybody else, but simply he would have been willing to take the place of a servant, a slave in the house of God. But when he came in, I, I remember I can hear people commenting, well, isn't, isn't that the drunk? Isn't he the alcoholic? I mean, isn't he the one that uh, left his wife and kids? That's Surely we're not going to allow him to have any place of service here. And they wouldn't say it like that. You'd come before a committee meeting or something and somebody would mention his name and they'd say, do you know his background? Do you know what he's done? What is he doing now? Well, I, I just I don't think I can have anything to do with that if, if, if you want to elevate him to that particular position. And so we have these older brother attitudes in our lives all the time. And so you are thinking back on your own life. You may be thinking about other people. Maybe they're in your own uh, biological family. Maybe they're in your own church family. But whatever the case might be, you, you see yourself as one or the other, sometimes both. Where are you tonight? Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to come forward and turn your heart over to Him. If you're one of those many people who instead of meeting the Lord first, you met the older brother on your way to God, and as a result you turned away from God, Tonight is your night to come to the Lord. There's no older brothers here standing in your way. Jesus is at the front. He's ready to receive you any way you want to come. He's here. Maybe you've left the Father without ever having left the farm. Maybe you continue to serve in church, but your heart is not in it any longer. Tonight is that opportunity to begin serving through an attitude of love and not labor. Whatever your thought is tonight, come to the Father. Come to the Father. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we just ask you to be with us tonight. Thank you so much for this day and this evening that you've given us. Be with us, Lord Jesus. May we honor and glorify you with these decisions. Lord, I know there all of us can identify with one or both of these prodigal sons. Lord Jesus, but we see that picture of grace. We see that picture of you standing they're pleading with us to come in and celebrate. Father, because as C.S. Lewis has said, the serious work of heaven is the joy of God. Joy is the serious work of heaven. And we thank you for that. Be with us tonight, Lord Jesus, and we praise you for these decisions. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Brother Ron's going to be here at the front to pray with you about your decisions. Let's stand and sing the hymn of invitation.